Bible reading today comes from James chapter 3, verses 13 to chapter 4, verse 10. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show, show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from, down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Well, that's the passage from James that we're going to be looking at this morning and this evening as well. Uh, If you've got a Bible open in front of you there, that would be a very helpful thing. But I'm going to pray for us before we look at this together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that there are times when your word challenges us, uh, makes us think hard about our own lives, and we know that this is one of those passages. So we want to pray that you would help us as we hear what your word says and that we might be ready to take it on board in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how would you define wisdom? If someone asked you to write it down on a piece of paper right now, what's the definition that you'd have of wisdom? What do you think a wise person looks like? I mean, it's obviously not intelligence, is it? I mean, we can find people who are very, very intelligent, but not particularly wise. Uh, And other people may not appear to be that intelligent, but can actually demonstrate great wisdom. Maybe you measure wisdom by how successful someone has been in their life. But then again, I suppose we all know people who've been very successful in life, but haven't necessarily been very wise. I mean, none of those things seems to quite cover it, does it? None of those things seems to really tell us what a wise person looks like. Now, the passage that we're looking at today from James, he wants to challenge us 
about being wise, about living wisely. And he, wants us, and, and he wants to talk about a particular kind of wisdom that we need to have. James wants to tell us that there is earthly wisdom and there is heavenly wisdom. And we need to make sure that we are thinking and acting in a way that is shaped by heaven, heavenly wisdom. James kicks it off with a question there in chapter 3, verse number 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? And I'm guessing we'd all like to say, well, I think I'm reasonably wise in the way that I think and act. Wisdom's a big idea in the pages of the Old Testament. The word wise and wisdom comes up more than 300 times in the Old Testament. And almost 200 of those times, it comes up in just three books in the Old Testament. The books of Job, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. We call them the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. They're the books that talk directly about what it means to be wise, how to live as a wise person, how to live according to heavenly wisdom. So for the Jewish people, and that's the people that James is writing his letter to as well, wisdom was a precious thing. And the most important aspect of wisdom is summed up in just one verse from the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, don't misunderstand what he's saying there. He's, he's not saying fear as you need to be terrified. He's saying fear as in you should have that reverent respect for God, understanding who God is and then responding in the right way. Wisdom's not intelligence. Wisdom's not a measure of your success. Wisdom is knowing how to live in this world and to do that, understanding whose world this is. You need to revere God and acknowledge him in this world. You need to be in a right relationship with God. So have a look at James's question again, right at the beginning of the passage we're looking at, chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, James doesn't leave us guessing. He goes on to say this. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Heavenly wisdom, first and foremost, is characterised by humility. Recognising your place in God's world and then attempting to live the right way. That's heavenly wisdom. The kind of wisdom that God ex expects from those who love him, who revere him, who respect him. James also tells us about the actions and lives that heavenly wisdom will bring about. Verse, jump down to verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Words like peace-loving, submissive, considerate, they, might, they may not be the first words that you'd think of if you were trying to think of someone who was wise. Those character, character traits, I think, in many ways in our world today would be seen as being 
kind of a bit weak. Peace-loving, submissive, considerate. They almost sound a little bit pathetic, pitiable. But James wants to show us the contrast between earthly wisdom and what that might look like. If the character traits of heavenly wisdom are peace-loving and being considerate and submissive, the character traits of earthly wisdom are very different from that. Have a look at what he says in verse 14. But if you harbour bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where we have envy and selfish ambition, there'll be disorder and every evil practice. Earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, they have one thing in common. They shape how it is that you live your life. They shape your actions. And those who live by heavenly wisdom, well, it shows in their deeds done in humility. And those who live by earthly wisdom, well, it's seen in the envy of what they have for others. It's seen in their boastfulness. And it's seen because they're motivated by their own ambition. It's a big contrast, isn't it? Heavenly wisdom sets its sights on the things that God desires and it's humble and considerate. Earthly wisdom sets its sights on things like power and success and money and position and prestige and recognition. And ultimately, earthly wisdom is self-serving. James seems to be aware of the division that exists in the church that he's writing to. And he seems to know that the problems there are because of people being guided not by, earth, not by heavenly wisdom, but by earthly wisdom. Have a look at the beginning of chapter four. Look at what he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask for the, with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now let's remember, James is writing to a church here, a Christian group, when he says that. It's sad to see churches that get torn apart by infighting. It's sad to see churches where earthly wisdom seems to be more important than heavenly wisdom. James says that divisions are because of the, their desires. The desires are ones that have already been mentioned, envy and selfish ambition. It's not hard to see how those desires could have a damaging effect on a congregation people who are consumed with their own importance, people who feel threatened by or envious of the abilities of others or the position that they have. We probably live in a day and age when those desires are even more commonplace and more acceptable than they've been at any other time. We live in a day and age where those desires are considered to be a good thing. 
to be encouraged to put ourselves first. And I don't think anyone is immune to it. In fact, we're encouraged to be selfish. We're encouraged to think of ourselves first, to put our interests ahead of everybody else. You see it in TV advertising, that you should think of yourself first, that you should put your needs at the top of the list. But as Christians, if we don't, if we don't keep those, we, we've got to make sure that we don't allow those desires to creep up on us because they can have a strong influence. I always think it's funny looking at fads and how they change and how people follow them so readily. If you drive past a high school around about finishing time at the end of the day, you'll see little groups of people standing together. And all of the groups will kind of look the same. They'll be dressed the same. They'll be listening to the same music. They'll be acting the same way. They'll have the same attitudes, the same language, the same jargon. It's a natural thing that friends will become like each other. Friends with the world or friends with God. You become like the one that you're friends with. If you choose to be friends with the world, then Job says that you'll become like the world. You'll value what the world values. You'll adopt the attitudes that the world offers you. And James doesn't pull any punches here, does he? Look at what he says in chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's tough language, isn't it? But let's be clear what he's saying here. He's contrasting earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, contrasting friendship with God and friendship with the world. And like it or not, you will have to choose. Now, he's not suggesting that you run away to a, a monastery and cut yourself off from the world. That's not the point at all. Friendship with God is what we've been made for. That's how we ought to live, knowing God and enjoying our relationship with him and letting our relationship with God shape the values and the attitudes that we have in our life. One of the things that makes this book of James very readable and challenging is the black and white way that he looks at things. He's talked about heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. He's talked about friendship with God and friendship with the world. And he's challenged us to look at the attitudes and the values that we have in our own lives. He's asked us to reflect on that, to look into that mirror and see what it is that we are like. And he makes some very black and white statements in these closing verses. Verse 7, chapter 4. Submit yourselves then to God. We need to begin by humbling ourselves every day before God. We need to remember who he is, the creator of the world that we live in, the ruler of this world that we live in. And we need to remember who we are, that we've been created by God, created for relationship with him. 
And we need to remember that God has graciously given us forgiveness and eternal life through his son, Jesus. Submitting to God is not a passive thing. It involves conscious choices on our part every day. It involves actions on our part, actions that will sometimes be difficult and possibly even costly. It might mean showing humility. It might mean that people think you're foolish or weak for the decisions that you've made. It might mean having values and attitudes that your friends don't understand. Second thing is this, still in verse seven, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Those two things go hand in hand, don't they? Resist the devil and draw near to God. We're to cherish our relationship with God. We're to long for that relationship to grow closer and closer. And with those two simple commands, he makes two simple promises. If you resist the devil, James says, he will flee from you. The devil is a defeated being, defeated through the death of Jesus on the cross. But the other side is also true. Draw near to God and God promises to draw near to you. There was a poster doing the rounds in Christian circles for quite some time. It used to say, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? And I think that's what James might be saying here. Friendship with God or friendship with the world? Who is it that you want to draw near to? Who is it that you want to be like? Whose values do you want to have? But let's be clear, this is not always going to be simple. This is going to require continual choices on your part. James says one more thing. Verse 8, partway through that verse. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The point of all of these commands is that we deal with the sin in our lives. We should never be happy with the sin in our lives. We should never be trying to tolerate the sin in our lives. James sets out these commands and gives us a sense of urgency about what, we're, what we ought to be doing in our lives. We're not sure of the exact setting of the church that he wrote to, but I dare say that's the sense of urgency that we should have as well. There's a guy that I know who worked for a major uh, international accounting firm here in their Sydney office. And he'd managed to make it a fair way up that corporate ladder. But he started to realise that he was staying more at work than he really needed to be. And he was spending less time with his family and he had to reduce his involvement with his church. 
So he decided to take a fairly radical step. He decided to take a step that would uh, impact how much money he earned and also his career prospects. He made an arrangement with the firm that he worked for to only work for four days a week so that he could devote a day to working for his church voluntarily. It meant a 20% drop in his income and there was no doubt that it was a career killer. They're not going to be looking to promote the guy who wants to work less. But it's a matter of applying heavenly wisdom to your working situation, isn't it? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that everybody should do that. What I'm saying is that here's someone who tried to apply heavenly wisdom to his decision-making and his choices. And I'm sure that there are areas in your life, I know that there are areas in my life, when I need to work harder to applying heavenly wisdom rather than earthly wisdom to the decisions that I make. Let me finish where we started, what James says there in chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we read these words and they're challenging for us. They almost seem beyond us, but we know that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can change us. So we want to ask that you would do that. Help us not to be driven by those worldly values, by worldly wisdom, but help us to be driven by heavenly wisdom. Help us to be driven by humility, not to be self-serving, but to serve others. Help us to make the choices in our lives, not to impress the friends around us, but to live humbly in our relationship with you, to seek to bring glory and honour to you, to live out the gospel in our lives. And we pray thing, these things in Jesus' name. Amen.